Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. And welcome to the Late Late Show with Atty New You once again. Uh, coming up, we'll look back at the Fulham game. Plenty to talk about there. We've got Kadeem Harris on as well to give us his verdict. Uh, plus Everton in the Cup on Tuesday. And we'll hear from Jordan Thornley as he prepares to face his former club. Uh, right, Fulham finished one all. Fair result. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think Wednesday uh, on the balance of play deserved something out of it. They showed a lot of heart, uh, commitment, battling qualities in that second half. And I, I think they, if you actually look across the course of the 90 minutes, they had the better chances uh, than for them, even in the first half. Uh, now, of course, we're maybe come on to the tactical side of in here in a little bit. Uh but yeah, you know, form dominated the ball, but second half I can't actually remember Kieran Westwood having a save to make. Uh so from you know that point of view and the way that they kept on going and that they refused to give up, I think yeah, you have to give Wednesday a lot of credit for that second half performance, definitely. It always feels like a win as well, doesn't it? Last-minute goal is like the best way of um, of getting something out of any game, really. Um, so there's one change in the lineup: Kieran Lee coming in, Jacob Murphy going out, which is what we kind of talked about a little bit on uh, Friday. So we had that three in midfield um, and reach on the right. Uh, we wouldn't normally do this so early on in the show, but... Um, take a listen to this. This is Gary Monk speaking after the game on Saturday. We're playing against a very good side. They've got a certain way of playing. There's a lot of movement, a lot of quality that they have. Um, so tactically, you have to get that spot on. And I thought first half was more of a tactical game between the two. I think the only time we ever really came unbalanced was the goal. And they obviously scored from it. But I just felt in the first half, a couple of details with, with midfield where we were allowing ourselves to be pushed back too easily, even though look, you're playing against a very good side who will at times put you there anyway. But I think just a little bit too much, we were forced back into deeper positions when we didn't need to be. So we made those tweaks at half-time and, and how we can get the midfielders a little bit further up, a little bit braver in terms of dealing with those guys that were behind the lines. And I think you saw that in the second half. We went much more on the front foot and able to get up to people because we were playing higher. And, um, and that gave us a bit of the momentum. And then obviously then you try and make changes as the game wears on and... Um, those changes ended up being effective, which is great. That's why you try and do them, and, and we pushed right to the end, and yeah, we got what we deserved, which was which was that point. Um, but again, it was, it was playing against a good side, so that was a good test for us. Right. So um, some interesting stuff in there from um, Gary Monk. First half, generally, what did you make of it? Like I said before, they had the better chances. You had that double save from Bettinelli to deny Reacher's header and Fletcher's follow-up. Uh, Kieran Lee also forced the goalkeeper into a save. I, I, I could see what tactically Wednesday were trying to do in that first half. And uh, certainly out of possession, they were trying to be very compact and well-organised and stifle for them. But for me, I think they erred too much on the side of caution and they showed Fulham too much respect in the way that they wind up. And, and we did sort of intimate this in, in Friday's podcast. We sort of said that uh, if it wasn't going to be Sam Winnell up front, that they maybe would perhaps consider changing shape and going to a 4-3-3. Four, four, three, three. But on Saturday, out of possession, it was most definitely 4-5-1 and they got really... I thought pinned back in their own half, particularly in that last 10 to 15 minutes. 
uh, of the opening 45 and you could sense it was coming and it, it was a catalogue of errors for the goal, uh, which we'll maybe touch on a little bit more in a bit. But yeah, I, I just thought it was a little bit frustrating in that they didn't get the balance right for me between the attack and the defence. And uh, you know, we'd heard in the build-up and in the few weeks that Gary Monk has been in charge that very much the focus is on what Wednesday do and Wednesday playing to their strengths and not thinking too much about the opposition. Well, Saturday, if anything, it did actually look as if you were trying to play on the counter-attack and that there was a little bit of fear factor of what Fulham with, let's face it, they've got some Premier League talent in their ranks. That front three is as good as anything for me in this division. But yeah, Wednesday, it was all a little bit too negative uh, tactically, I thought, in that first half. Um, I, I thought the the midfield battle was quite interesting. Now, Bannon and Lee kind of had their moments, but I didn't think either of them really got hold of that game. I think Kieran Lee's role seemed a little bit more muddled than recently. He seems to be quite advanced at times. Um, I think Bannon just had one of those games where um, a, a few good passes, don't get me wrong, uh, but but he never quite seemed to kind of get get to grips with the the, the game and uh, Fulham just seemed uh, just stronger. Do you know what I mean? The, their mm. their midfield was just much more resolute and and they did it without really seeming that they broke a sweat. You know, Tom Kearney has that ability to just kind of run the show, doesn't he? Without really having to do very much and you know he he also gets around the pitch um, in in a way that you, it almost goes unnoticed. You know, he's on the edge of the the, the back four and then next thing is in the other penalty area um and and we yeah just i think we just got out, out run out muscled in, in midfield how do you think adam reach did it mixed uh, again i've seen on social media that adam reach's form is definitely a concern it is definitely a concern mm-hmm. that he's gone a long time without a goal but I, I, on his all-round performance on saturday in and out and I do have some sympathy for him. His position is changing all the time. He still nearly got on the score sheet and he created that chance for Kieran Lee. So in terms of creativity, uh, you know, he still is very much a big player for Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, like a few of them, he is struggling for consistency, definitely. And I think he really needs a goal to, I think it would lift his all-round game getting back on the school sheet. You know, it's now been seven months, I think, that he's gone uh, without a goal. So that's a long time for Adam Reach. Uh, but he's definitely not at his best right now. And I think for Wednesday to be firing fully, um, they, they need Adam Reach, yeah, to, to start hitting some top form again, definitely. It's, it feels a bit like Groundhog Day because we've had this conversation about Adam Reach a few times. But uh, it, it, this season's kind of been a summary of his Wednesday career in a lot of ways in terms of the fact that he's played so many different positions. Even, you know, within games he's been moved positions. He obviously is a very versatile player and, and that's great. That there can also be a downside to that because it just means that, oh yeah, we can move Adam Reach and you just kind of shoehorn him in where you need him to be, which means um he he's not kind of making any one position his own. 
Uh, and you could kind of see actually on on Saturday there were times where you know he was al- he was almost forgetting whereabouts on the pitch he was supposed to be, uh, and that's got to be difficult for uh, for a, a, a player. I know you know he has come in for a little bit of stick. Um, some people saying you know how long before he gets dropped. Uh, I know we're jumping way ahead here, and um, I don't want to give away too much about what I'm going to kind of say about the Everton match. But Adam Reach is one player that I would like to see in the Everton yeah. game because I think he just needs to be playing football now. And when he gets a game and everything goes for him, it will kind of you know spark his confidence and bring him back to kind of life. Really, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think that, they need to stick be... with him before the next international break. I Absolutely, think yeah. carry on giving him a run, and then. Uh, hopefully his performances will pick up. If they don't, then it's something that Gary Monk will have to assess uh, during that break as to you know what what's the best way to get Adam Reach yeah firing again. I missed the goal. It was my turn to get half-time beers. Um, I'm quite pleased about that. Uh, watched it back and it kind of looked, we just sort of switched off a little bit, didn't we? And, and I, I wonder, you know... Um, this is a bit harsh. Should Westwood be catching that ball? I can see why he didn't. He had to react quite late as it looked like there were a lot of players around. It looked like it could take a deflection or two on the way through. In fact, from some camera angles, it looks like it did take a deflection, which it, it, I don't think it did. Um, but it was a, such a dangerous area to be pushing the ball into for an experienced keeper like here in Westwood. Yeah, I, I would go along with that. I, I think if you're going to punch there, you've got to get some serious distance and you certainly don't put it back into the danger zone, which is what Kevin Westwood did. Uh, I suppose some mitigating factors in the defence would be for Westwood that the, the sun... He had a cap on in the half uh, and and the ball in the box. It's it's a tricky one for a goalkeeper as to that, that decision of whether do you catch or do you punch away. He went with the latter and he didn't get it right. I will also say that far too often in that first half, as it progressed, um, particularly... Form had oceans of room on that side. I thought Moses Odebajo was getting sucked inside, and Kieran Lee didn't get out quick enough to close uh, Brian down, who's put the ball into the box. So I wouldn't just blame Kieran Westwood, but we've had this discussion before in recent weeks, and that's eight league matches this season. Kieran Westwood has been sent off in one of them. He was certainly partly to blame if not completely to blame for Millwall and that is a, another error on Saturday so Kieran Westwood uh, is is another player uh, it's not just Adam Reach. I'd put Barry Bannon Sam Hutchinson also into the mix of where um, we all know we know that these are top players or have been good players over the years at this level but consistently they're not producing at the moment and in Kieran Westwood's case for me he's making too many errors uncharacteristic mistakes by his high standards and it's something that Wednesday going to have to watch out for if he doesn't start up in his game there's Cameron Dawson there there's Paul Jones there um, it's going to give Gary Monk a big decision to make Is there an element of, of this and I guess I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here um, that you know is, is he struggling for confidence in that back line because you know it's swapped and changed quite a bit there are players mm. that have been prone this season to make individual mistakes 
is there also potentially a bit of a communication issue there because Westwood and Tom Lees have played together for years and, and I imagine that they're you know almost telepathic in terms of being able to communicate with each other. Without that, and we, we have talked about this for the last couple of weeks actually, that without Tom Lees there, is, is communication within that back four as good as it should be and, and what's the knock-on effect for a goalkeeper who's so reliant, isn't he, on communicating you know a two-way process, particularly with those two central defenders if that's not happening and, and I don't you know I, I, don't, I don't kind of I'm not close enough to kind of the box to be able to see whether whether it is or isn't or whether you can kind of hear very much there we know Kieran West was pretty vocal but um I, I I guess I'm just sort of playing yeah playing devil's advocate there that maybe the the changes to the back four have had a real impact on him. yeah I'd go along with that the fact is that for me Fulham had too much of the ball 76 percent in that first half and uh, I could see what Wednesday were trying to do tactically. They didn't execute it well enough, though. And um, there was too much of an element of where uh, they were playing like the away side. In fact, at times for me in the first half, I, I almost thought it was a little bit like a newly promoted team going up to the Premier League and playing Man City or Liverpool. In the, I just thought Wednesday stood off them and allowed good players to do almost what they like and to just comfortably knock the ball around and and so you know Fulham didn't create much throughout the the game but they had yeah too much of the ball just that that's for yeah. me and and I think it's something retention ball retention possession is very much a weak element of this team right now and and we've seen it the figures throughout the course of the eight league matches they've played uh, you know most of them are not getting above 45% uh, and so that's something that I'm sure also Gary Monk is going to look to address well on that um, one one thing that I feel very confident about is Gary Monk seems to spot things pretty well he seems to see the game quite clearly and he'll be, you know, he will be noticing stuff. And, and I yeah. say this because I think, you know, under, um, pro- probably not an issue under Steve Bruce, but under Yosh, you kind of think, is he just not seeing the same stuff that everyone else is? Uh, with Lee Bullard, there was the, you know, the frustration there about, you know, is, is he seeing stuff? Is he, you know, are we seeing it differently to how he is? Uh, Gary Monk seems very switched on. And I think he'll be learning a lot about his his team in these games and, and everything that you've just said there. He'll have spotted that and he'll be thinking, all right, we went into it with this tactical plan, and actually we we probably didn't quite get it right, but we learned the lessons from from that. Another difficult game to come next against Middlesbrough, so another you know a different sort of test, but another big test. Um, defensively, I, I thought um, Burner again looked uh, rock yeah. solid. Uh, you touched on this a little bit before, and I almost feel like I'm starting to pick on this guy now. But uh, Odebajo, I'm just not sold at, at all. He goes missing far, far, far too much. It's Groundhog Day, really, with what we've been saying about him. Yeah, I mean, the thing we're not seeing a big improvement. He's had a terrible start to the season, really. When you actually look at it, you know, he's giving away goals. He's all the stuff that he's. Done and you I thought he improved think, wow, at Huddersfield. How, how I thought after he? sort of uh, yeah. difficult start that, but yeah, you know, you, you're clutching a little bit. Yeah, it's it's been an underwhelming start, definitely to his Wednesday career, and 
it's a little bit, it's just a little bit of an issue with Wednesday. And, and I know we're probably coming across as overly negative and critical right now, but the fullbacks, you can't get past it. I do just think that right and left back are the weak sides and weak elements of this team that I'm sure again, Gary Monk will be slowly picking up on and thinking uh, in the long run, I may have to look at bringing in some reinforcements potentially here. We, we know that Wednesday are light, particularly at left back, and uh, you know, give credit where it's due to Liam Palmer on Saturday. Actually, you know, he he did a very good job in keeping Anthony Knockar under wraps, and I, I again thought he was one of Wednesday's better performers on the day. And he had that amazing moment in, did, the, yeah. uh, in the second half as well, which uh, I kind of hoped would go viral all over the internet because it was uh, it was it was a, a beautiful moment. That. By the way, sorry, before we go any further, we how have we got this far into the podcast? We haven't even touched on one man, Jeff Eltringham. He's on my list. Oh, He's right, on my li- okay. I'm, sa- I wasn't I'm sa- sure. saving the worst for last. Right. I want to do um, a couple. Uh, uh, you know, we, we've done quite a bit there that, that did seem a little bit negative. In terms of the, the positives, I thought um, Sam Winnell when he came on looked uh, he looked hungry. I, I kind of changed the game a bit. Did yeah, and, and Atty Atty. Yeah. I, I, that's now uh, what two, maybe three times where Atty off the bench has made a big difference. He, yeah. he is a great impact sub, uh, and I know we'll come on more to what maybe the team will be against Everton. You've got to think that Atty New Year is gonna not if he's not shooing, he's gonna be very close to starting. I think he deserves an opportunity now yeah. uh to to sort of show what he can do from the start. Uh, and I think that's the big challenge for Atty is that I think in recent times we've just seen him as a substitute come on and make a big impact. Now what can he do from the beginning of a game? Maybe that's just not his role, though. Maybe he is an impact sub now. Um, you know, does does his he, he's quite direct, isn't he? He gets the ball and he just tries to get towards the goal. That's what he that's what he does. He's actually quite good at doing it. But when you when you start, because he's normally brought on in kind of emergency situations, isn't he? It's either to protect a lead, which he's very good at doing, because when he's got the ball in the corner, no buggers getting off him. And from set pieces or, uh, as well, yeah, very from, handy. Yeah, and from set pieces. Um, and he's actually a bit of a handful for defenders who are a bit tired. Yeah. From the start, I don't know whether or not he, he has that. And, and maybe it's actually taken all this time for us to actually get to the point where we think, mm. I now understand what Atinuiu does and, and brings. However good he is, he should always be coming off the bench for me. Uh, it, it just seems it just seems to work. Having said that, you know, does he deserve uh, a chance against Everton? If he wants it, then he probably, he probably does. Um, interesting, again, Jordan Rhodes not even on the bench. Yes, you start to feel like well that you know unless there's something going on behind the scenes where they're doing some very specific work with with Jordan Rhodes to to kind of you know get him ready to reintroduce him with some impact. Mm. Uh, it feels. Two, I asked two Gary Monk um, specifically about Jordan Rhodes uh, after Fulham, and he did a very good job of straight batting it uh, in in saying that. Only 11 can start, only 7 can be on the bench. Jordan Rhodes isn't alone. There's Jordan Fornley, there's Jerry Pelliapesi, which is all very well and true. But uh, Jerry Pelliapesi, Jordan Fornley aren't the club's record signing. And, and you know, Wednesday splashed 8 million on Jordan Rhodes. So for him to not make at least the bench 
in the last two matches, uh, then of course people are going to be rightly talking about it. Yeah. Um, Fulham then, um, I kind of thought Fulham were quite good, although I don't think they were as good as no. their lineup suggested. A lot of people that said, oh, look at that team. And you, you would look at it on the scoreboard and you said, absolutely, on paper, it was frightening. And the bench. And uh, yeah, well. yeah. Uh, yeah, everything about the squad is, is frightening. But they they didn't turn the screw and they had the opportunity. They were on they were on top for periods of that game and they didn't seem to have any cutting edge. No, they didn't at all. And I, I think we've got to give credit to uh, Dominic Iorfa, but particularly uh, particularly Julian Berner, who again was rock solid yet again uh, in stifling Alexandra Mitrovic uh, and that front three in general and restricting them to very few chances uh, throughout the 90 minutes and so um, that's I think what's been very impressive from the two matches under Gary Monk that Wednesday played two different formations they've only conceded one goal and certainly against Fulham not that many chances and, and when you look at it you'd go and you would say that Fulham have got one of the best better if not the best forward lines in the division uh, that, that he has managed in a short period of time a little bit reminiscent to Jos Lukai at the beginning of his reign to organise this team and get them very compact uh, and making them hard to play against so I think yeah certainly credit to Gary Monk for being able to do that uh, in the time that he's been at the helm. Right, we've reached that point. Referee. Uh, do you know what? I mean, the standard of refereeing at Hillsborough this season, well, not just at Hillsborough, I mean, every every game that I've seen in the Championship, uh, has not been good. Saturday was particularly bad. Um, Jeff Alteringham, uh, literally from the first minute, I think it was the first passage of play to right at the end of the game, just bad decision after bad decision and and seemingly not much control over the game. Fulham just seemed to be allowed to control what was going on. I thought it was the final 20 minutes that sort of really took the, the biscuit and where it was threatening to boil over and you're thinking he's lost, you know, he's lost control or he's going to. And uh, how he booked Sam Hutchinson there near the end for when Harry Arter blatantly upended him and then he's penalised Sam Hutchinson. Sam Hutchinson has reacted as you would, as you're not going to be happy when that decision goes against you and then he's yellow carded. And incidentally now, Sam Hutchinson is one booking away from suspension as is Julian Berner. And uh, you look at that and you think, well, that yellow card... Should, yeah, he shouldn't. Yeah. He shouldn't. He wouldn't have got that if the decision had been given correctly the other way. And uh, yeah, I just his decision making was baffling. And uh, yeah, I just you know we've seen it before. Preston away was the same. Another dreadful ref there that day, um, who I thought was inconsistent for both teams. But it, it did honestly feel as if Wednesday were playing against twelve men. Yeah, they did. It's, it's, it has been bad all season, though, hasn't it? Like no. noticeably worse, I think, than than seasons in the past. Well, well like, I've seen some people. It's just been awful. And they, I think they may have a point. You know, they were actually questioning Jeff Eldrum's ability to keep up with play fitness on right. Saturday, and and I, I wouldn't dis, I wouldn't disagree. You know, just, was he getting himself in the best position sometimes to make decisions? I, I don't think he was, and and um, you know he didn't stamp. He just didn't stamp his authority on, no, on that game. You know. And he didn't ever allow it to flow. And he, yeah, ruined the spectacle for long periods with 
just how fussy he was. I mean, this this we could fill an hour talking about yeah. this topic, probably. But it seems bizarre to me that in this day and age, it's still not. I don't think every championship ref is a is a professional. Either. Um, I think um, there's it's only the Premier League that has entirely pro refs that some of them in the championship aren't um and you're like that's just crazy you know these these are people that are making and breaking games you know if if sam hutchinson gets banned for a, uh, a game now and we get overrun in midfield and you can kind of point to those you know moments can't you and 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 think well that's you know that's really cost us um you know which is obviously going to get suspended at some point because it's sam hutchinson but um all right let's get the verdict of kadeem harris talking to dom after the match a little bit noisy in the background at times bear with it though he starts off by telling us what's changed under gary monk not much you know we've always had a good set of boys here a good team um you know from a defensive point i think we know our roles and our jobs a lot more than we did um and you know he's working on on uh, different styles of play, and I think the boys are liking it so far, and I think it was that will continue. What's he said to you? What's been his sort of message and brief? And what he wants from you? He wants me to be positive. You know he knows what I'm good at, and he says just uh, slap my for it on, on every game that comes my way. He wants me to be positive and uh, run at defenders, uh, if crosses in and, and shots. You know, that's my job as a winger, so. You know, he definitely does um, encourage that. You know, some managers will encourage their winners to play a little bit more and come into pockets, but you know, he's more get the ball, run at defenders and, and be positive in what you're doing. And when you've got something in your mind, just just um, stick to that. Don't change your mind. Has he set the team targets? What he's aiming for this year? I think it's just game, game by game, as it comes, he wants to win every game. Do you, do you think you actually proved a point today that you competed against a team who are... You showed that we can compete against anyone in this, this league, and I think everyone knows that, you know, but with, with today happening, you know, it gives everyone that little extra bit of confidence. And what are your thoughts on the next challenge, Everton now in the Cup on Tuesday here? Do you believe you can cause an upset if you play to maximum as your team? football. Um, you know, you look at the FA Cup and things like that, you're looking at teams, non-league beating championship teams and even Premier League teams. So, you know, anything's possible and I definitely do think we've got the quality in the side to, to get a result. Right, let's uh, shift our attention, as they say, to Tuesday night. Everton coming to Hillsborough in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Dom, pretty simple question for me to, to start with. Do you care? Um, well, my noise sort of indicates... <sighs> With the cup, it, just, is it important in the grand scheme of things for Wednesday? No, it isn't. You can't get past, like the biggest priority for Wednesday is, of course, the championship. Would most fans take losing two or three nil to Everton to then beating Middlesbrough on Saturday? I, I think hope so. That, yeah, I think I think virtually everybody would. Right, that yeah, and for in fact, lose to Everton. But if somebody offers you. Uh, say seven points from the next three matches before the second international break. Everyone's going to take that. They would, and I, I think it's become devalued uh, as not just the Carabao Cup, but also the FA Cup by the amount of changes that teams make. And uh, I, I don't. I just think that over the years, that until you get to the latter stages of the competition, it's just not important. Certainly for the the teams in the Premier League, and now even it's filtered down into the Championship. It's yeah. all—it's like an exercise in squad rotation, and they just view it as opportunity to give the fringe players minutes. 
Well, the, the I mean, the issue with the championship is there's 24 teams in it, isn't there? You know, we're playing 46 games a, a season, and uh, you know, in, in the Premier League, there's only 20 teams. You, you're playing less games. Yeah, it goes without saying. You're playing whatever it is Eight. for yeah. Um, so the uh, the games we, we've kind of got a micro example of it because we've got a game on Saturday. We've then got another game on Tuesday. Next Tuesday, they're both away games. You know, they they're going to be they're going to be tough games but we need something out of them you know if we come out of those two games with you know zero points or maybe even one point actually maybe even two points you sort of think well you know we're losing touch a little bit at at this stage of the season it's it's important we've got to stay in in touch with that top end of the table so um it it kind of is a distraction um it is but actually i will say this is i think it's a good distraction for wednesday this week in terms of it's the first proper chance for, I think, Gary Monk to see the the rest of his squad. Well, that's an important point, isn't it? That because we also have we have a big squad. Wednesday, have got a big squad, right? Have done for the last few seasons, haven't we? And we're, we're you know we're a bit top heavy on players. There's got to be. There's no point as having a big squad if we never use any of them when the opportunity comes up. So, um, th- this brings us to this sort of debate, really, which is you know what should the approach be in terms of of team selection? Now, I know that I stand as a slightly uh, minority voice on this. Uh, so, I mean, the options really are what I call the Arsenal approach, which is a bit like we did a few years back under Carlos, where you play. You know, vast majority is your regular first teamers. You'd probably change the goalkeeper and a couple of other positions, but you know, seven, eight, nine of the players are the players that you would expect to be starting on Saturday. Um, There's the approach that I favour, which is pretty much change everyone. Uh, Maybe just keep one or two of those players in. We talked about Adam Reach um, earlier on, and um, you know, you'd look at maybe you know, Kieran Lee maybe could could play in that game. Maybe uh, I offer could play. I don't know. But you know, keep keep. Uh, otherwise, just kind of you know give give everyone uh, a rest, or you go somewhere down the middle where you've maybe got you know five, six, seven first teamers, uh, and you, you you kind of go down the middle. So put this out on Twitter earlier as a bit of a flash. Our opinions. We got just under five hundred votes. Forty seven percent saying a little bit of both. Thirty nine percent saying um, stick with the regular first teamers. Just fourteen percent of people saying yeah, change everything, play the backup players, which is where I stand. So I'm in that minority. Fourteen percent because we uh, I know we've, we have talked about this but you go all the way back to that Arsenal game and we won that game and then we had Stoke away and Tom Lee's got injured uh, and missed a large chunk of that season now I, I, we were never going to win automatic promotion that season we finished sixth um, could we have finished any higher would that be any different well we got to the playoff final so it's kind of irrelevant but we don't know now at this point of this season what effect it's going to have if someone picks up an injury on Tuesday or if someone's just knackered when it gets round to Saturday you know those those two games against Middlesbrough and Hull uh, are way more important and then, I mean there's another league game on the on the Saturday after that isn't there there's Wigan after that so you like you know the, that that's a must win game against Wigan uh, and those two away games like we've got to get something out of them we can't risk playing the first team on Tuesday night. I don't think. I really do. No, not most of them. I agree. Yeah, I, I would think, and I could see there being eight changes, seven or eight, seven or eight changes. Yeah, and uh, you're know, the ones that they would maybe stick by right back. They've got a decision. It, you would think it will be either Moses or Debajo. You, he stays there, or Dominic Iolfa. You could move him, yep. but then at cent- and then at centre half, 
well, David Bates and Jordan Thornley come Gotta in. Be, yeah. For me, Morgan Fox at left back. Yep. That's how the back four looks. We know that Cameron Dawson will probably be in goal. Yep. And then midfield, I'd keep Adam Reach on the right. Jacob Murphy's another one searching for form, maybe on the left. Yep. Central midfield. If you, This is if they go 4-4-2. Then you've got Jerry Pelipesi, Massimo Luongu. Both need game time. Haven't played since Rotherham. And then up front, Sam Winnell, Atty Nui. So that's provisionally the team that I'm going with, yep. um, whether that's you know, the case or not. That, in fact, I think would be nine changes from the weekend uh, if you went with that. But I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, if, if there's seven or eight. And I just think the, the bigger picture is Middlesbrough. And, of course, it will be, you know, Gary Monk, he says that it's never about him, but he will be going back to one of his yeah. former clubs, so he will not want to lose. He want to get a positive result and to try to put one over Middlesbrough on Saturday. So you've got to think that Sam Hutchinson, Kieran Westwood, Kieran Lee um, will, will be another one. I'd imagine that be rested. Stephen Fletcher, I can't see him yeah, being involved. Be so you, you've already gone through the spine of the team there. And Julian Burner may be another one. He's had a busy workload. Give him a night off. So that's five, six players there you can see uh, not featuring uh, on Tuesday night. And uh, so it's going to be a shadow team for both. I, I I just see it. Well, I say that. I actually think Everton, on the back of two successive Premier League defeats, yep. I think you know, it's, it's, it's a more important match for, for Everton than it is Wednesday. And if if Wednesday were to beat them, cup upset, upset, the pressure mounts even more on their manager, Marco Silva. So I actually think for Everton, uh, they need to get through and to progress to the next round more than what Wednesday do. As, as you'd expect with any Premier League team, they have got quality and depth in that in that squad. So whoever they put out on Tuesday, is, it's going to be a, a challenge. Um, interesting debate about this on, on Twitter. Some really good opinions. Ian would like to see uh, Sam Winall, David Bates and Massimo Luongu um, in the team. Ben would give Jordan Thornley a start. Ollie says, if it's all change, we'll get embarrassed about 6-0. Um, and Stuart says, let's go for it. So um, a real a mix of uh, opinion. Of course, you know, the only person that really matters ultimately is Gary and what direction that he takes it in. I'd like to see Wednesday go for it in terms of playing 4-4-2, going two up front, actually. Yeah. I know they, it, it, there's a risk then that they could lose the midfield battle, but as we all know, Wednesday are top-heavy still in, in the striker department. Yeah. That's where they've got five forwards, and in three of them, Jordan Rhodes, Sam Winnell and Atty Nuyu, they haven't started many matches between them this season. Uh, so yep. that's why I think it actually is an opportunity to play at least two of them from the start. Key point here as well with Sam Winnell, because I think that there is still this chance that Sam Winnell could, you know, force his way into having a, a run of, of games. Uh, he's he's got to you know when, when you play four four two in in this day and age it, it has to be a fluid four four two and Sam Winall is the guy that's actually at times going to have to drop a little bit deeper uh, and almost play as an extra midfielder at points so um, you know it's a four four two slash four four one one when it needs to be so it's good experience for him I'm not saying that Atenuiu is is similar to Stephen Fletcher in terms of the style and how they 
play, but you know he's the big man that Sam Winnell will be playing off. And if he's going to get a run in the team with Stephen Fletcher, it's a similar sort of combination. So it's a chance for him to go out and show that he can do the hard work and the nitty gritty stuff and, and get back and help the midfield when he needs to, but then also be in the box when he needs to and take his chances. So um, a, a, a good combination for those for those two to start together, I think. Absolutely. What I will say too is that from speaking to Gary Monk, he's, he's treating it very seriously in that he wants to win and to build that winning mentality at this club. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think that's a good thing to hear. So... Um, regardless of however many changes he makes, you know he he's going to be putting out a team that he believes can go out there to get a result. And he's described it as a as a three hit, and that's that is what it is. Right? You know, people will be going into it expecting Everton to win. You know, they're the Premier League team, so the pressure is on them um, to do the business tomorrow night. And uh, hopefully Wednesday there'll be a decent crowd there. Uh, whatever fringe players get a run out, uh, that they they take their chance. It, it's crucial that they do. You know, they, it's like it's almost a bit like an audition for them that they've got to perform. As if they don't step it up tomorrow, then who knows how many chances they get between now and Christmas. Absolutely. So one of those players that we've talked about a fair bit in there, Jordan Thornley. So this is really interesting. So you caught up with him, is it last week? Yeah, last week. Um, So Jordan Thornley, I didn't realise this, Jordan Thornley spent 10 years at Everton before he came to... Well, he almost doesn't seem old enough to have spent 10 years anywhere, but um, yeah, he did. So um, he talks a lot, actually, about his time uh, at Goodison in a bit. Uh, first of all, though, it gives us an update on his own fitness. felt fully fit for a while, to be honest. I mean, I worked hard in the off-season before we came back for pre-season, so I felt that like I did miss a bit of time. When I did come back and I was back in training, I felt I didn't feel like I was too far behind. Obviously, I need mm. to do catch-up and stuff, but on a whole, I've played, I think, four games now. I've not struggled in terms of fitness-wise. I felt strong, so just have to see what happens from now on. What's the message been so far from Gary Monk since he's come into the squad? Just give everything you've got. Be committed. Just work hard. But that just goes for anyone. That it shouldn't just be one manager. It should be yeah. for anyone that's involved. Because at the end of the day, you're not just people pay to watch you. So you've got to do <laughs> what you've got to do in front of with the fans and that. So trying to get his ideas across, but not too much. It's been very sort of black and white what we're doing. So. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the jobs. If someone gets injured, that player that comes in, he's going to know what he's doing. So, no, I think it's good that everyone will eventually be on the same page and hopefully it'll, it'll work out for us. It seems that he's very sort of um, much of an opinion, clarity on people's roles. and It's very black and white. How good is that to have when you know yeah, exactly just, what your manager wants? It cuts out all grey areas, so mm. you know exactly what you're doing. Like, If you're not in the right place, you know it's you. It's not sort of like it was his fault. It's, that's your job that's yeah, your role yeah. so. as far as you're concerned is that is the target just to again yeah, I want to play get... I want to play obviously I've done my sort of, I feel like I've done my sort of breaking in period in and out and now it's time for me to put my foot down and get into the team it's been frustrating for me myself like I feel like I've been training well mm. and in the games that I've played I thought I've done done, uh, done well so it's all I can do is keep doing well and Hopefully I get my chance. Do you see it as a real opportunity between now and the next international break as there's going to be midweek games too, squads going to be needed? So yeah, we'll just have to see on injuries and stuff because, you know, everyone knows that a solid base team, if they're in, in a winning form, and can't really change a winning team, but hopefully get the chance. 
Yeah, uh, and then for you as well, of course, if Everton's come, what would it mean to you to be involved hopefully in that um, one? Have you talked a lot about it with your family and everything? Yeah, or? I think it's the most, <laughs> it's the first time I've probably more than two tickets on watch, so <laughs> now everyone, obviously I grew up there, got a lot of respect for the club, but I'm going to sort of prove a point if I get the chance to, so yeah. And I think you said that, is it Mason Holgate and yeah, Tom, Tom Davis? You're still yeah. staying in touch with them quite a bit as well then? Or? don't really speak to them much, but if I see them out and about, then I'll have a speak to them at the same age and as Tom. So I know, I've played with him for my whole, pretty much my whole growing up stage, so Mason was only there for him for the year, but I know him quite well, so yeah. Are they the ones that you've sort of stayed yeah, in And then there's obviously the players that are still there, like Seamus Coleman, and that, that was he was good when I was there to me as a, like a young lad. He's good to everyone as the young players because he was experienced and stuff. So sort of. he talks you after sessions and that. But mm. other than that, there's a lot of new faces there, so I don't really. Would you much. Would you remember from your time at the club? Good, good environment to be in. It got a bit of a didn't go to plan the my first year pro, but other than that, I can't fault it. It was probably laid down the foundations of why I need to sort of develop and then come in and sort of breaking in there. So just felt kicking on and get to the next stage. So how many years were you actually at some for them? Ten. Ten? Ten years, yeah, nine till nineteen. Nineteen, yeah, so, so. yeah, yeah, big, huge, yeah, I've got yeah. obviously a big affinity with yeah, the Yeah, I still know a lot of the staff there, but in, in the academy, so, yeah, that would just be a nice occasion, a bit like when Hutch returned to Stamford Bridge, it's one of them, it's, you always want to play against a team that you've, you've been released by or left or just to, sort of a, not sort of a sour note, but yeah. it's like a, I've gone on and I'm, I've come back, do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, yeah. It, that weren't the be all and end all. So, it's one of them, it'd be a nice occasion if I play, but we'll just have to see. That's it, you do still keep an eye out on their results. Yeah, look at yeah. all the results, yeah, I always do. Don't know why, it's just have <laughs> like, because obviously when I was there, it was, you wanted them to win. Players that don't sound like you expect. Number two in an occasional series there, Jordan Thornley. Um, so, reminder of our opinions. Uh, all, all stem from the fact Sam Hutchinson on press duty uh, last week, which reminded me about a story of my friend Dean bumping into him uh, on holiday in Dubai in the summer. And they sat and had a beer together and talked about Wednesday. So, got me thinking, where have you bumped into uh, a Wednesday player? I saw Carlton Palmer in KFC. Uh, you saw David Hurst in Sainsbury's. I did, yeah. Turns out, uh, spoiler alert, you're not the only person. A lot of tweets from people who have seen Hursty in Sainsbury's. It's almost like this cult club. I feel a little bit left out because I've not seen David Hurst in Sainsbury's. I've now started hanging around in Sainsbury's just in the hope that I see him before we record uh, this week's um, episode. It's a little bit odd, James. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I've got to hang around somewhere, so, uh, so why not? Still time for you, for, for you to let us know if you've ever bumped into or just spotted a Wednesday player somewhere a little bit unusual, uh, or if you've seen David Hurst in Sainsbury's, which apparently is not unusual, but I would like to do a bit of research about just how many people have. Um, so uh, yeah, let us know. We'll, um, we'll we'll go through those on Friday. You can join in with the hashtag Alpinions on Twitter. You can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott, and you can contact the show at Dom and James. Thank you as ever to our lovely friends, our gold sponsor, Taito Law, who you can find at titolaw.co.uk. And that's just about it. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back for our second episode of the week on Friday. Up the owls and see you then.